all that we can do for the month of September, October. So I've, so far I've experienced a hurricane with Derek. We, we came out run hurricane. We were at Myrtle Beach when it, it was coming ashore. So we drove back in hurricane force winds, and, uh, but it was really uneventful because I was hoping for palm trees to be thrown across the road and things like that. The Weather Channel guy was falling all over the place. And I went out and took a video outside of our hotel, and it was actually just calm surf coming in. So I know it did cause damage in Florida, but in South Carolina, it caused minimal damage, I think. But uh, the weather guy was falling all over the place at Myrtle Beach, but I was videotaping. It was just, we could have played in the surf. Uh, so we had hurricanes, and then we had heart attacks, and then this weekend we had honeymoons. Uh, so uh, next Saturday, I have no idea whatever starts with H. Mackenzie and Chris, they, they together dropped this letter to the church family. Now, Mackenzie's still a member here, but uh, she's now forsaken us and moved to North Carolina. And uh, she did get married yesterday. But she wants to read this letter to the Faith family. It just says this, Dear Faith family, thank you for all your prayers, support, and hospitality towards Chris and myself. We are excited to see God work in and through our marriage. Thank you for allowing us to use the facilities to make our big day possible. It was cool seeing the body, she in quotes, come together. To God be the glory, Chris and Mackenzie. And so she writes that from a heart of gratitude, and I do as well as your pastor and as your friends, y'all, everybody that, that pitched in yesterday, and some of you, you know who you are, so many people helped this week in the, in the times, but um, it was a lot of work uh, making a wedding um, happen. So thank you, Town Creek, and, and we do have a beautiful facility for weddings and celebrations and, and really a worship service yesterday. Well, if you have your Bible, let's go to John chapter 16. If you came to Bible study this morning, if you come to Catalyst, you would have jumped in there and learned a bit about the Lord Jesus Christ, and you would have learned a lot about the Holy Spirit. You would ask a lot of questions, and we, I heard the first question was a travel guide. When you talk about traveling, is it better to travel with a guide if you've been going somewhere you've never been before? And the answer typically is yes. Now, I like to explore and find ways of my own. Uh, we, we get to Edisto Beach. Wendy likes to go to the beach. I like to take her to the beach and all the supplies she needs. And I like to get in a vehicle that's four-wheel drive and go explore the island. I like to go places that you're not really supposed to go. I don't know. There's no trespassing signs. I don't pass those. But I just like to go in the swamps and different places that are in the island. It's just I like to go explore. And then when I came back this last time, someone said, Did you, have you been over here? And I was like, I didn't know that place existed. They said, if you take the tour, you'll, go, you'll see it. And I'm like, who needs a tour guide? And uh, so I did. I missed out on whatever I was supposed to see with a tour guide. The Holy Spirit is our guide, and there's things that's going to happen today, tomorrow, and in your future that you know nothing about. We can look back and say we can see his presence back there where he took me through that deep, dark period or that happy moment or whatever it might be. We can look back and see 2020, right, with 2020 vision that God was good all of the time, even when I doubted him or I was fearful or I didn't know him personally. But I want, I, this chapter 16, if you get in your mind as you read it, Jesus was speaking forward. He was speaking in future tense for the disciples, and I believe all the disciples that would follow after uh, his death, burial, and resurrection. So I think he's speaking, I know he's speaking to you and to me. Now directly his audience was his immediate disciples, but listen, his future audience was you and me. So as we read this, keep yourself in mind as a faithful follower of Christ, and if you're not a Christian today... This is, what he's, this is how he speaks, and Jesus does not mince words, and he, Jesus is God. So we're listening to the words of God. If you have a Bible that has red letters, of course, this will be in red letter edition as well. John 16, and we're going to read the, uh, 15 verses. Remember last week when we preached, Jesus said, Don't worry, listen, if the world hates you, it hated me first. 
So he always puts himself out there to get prepared. If you're going to follow me, uh, you need to know what's going to happen. Whatever happens to me is going to happen to you. All right, these things, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God a service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father. That's God the Father, nor me, God the Son. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Or where are you going, Jesus? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, God the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of, mark this down in your Bible, if you circle mark in your Bible, what's the Holy Spirit's job? One of his many, 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 many jobs. What is his job? And when he has come, verse 8, he will convict the world of, what does your Bible say? Sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me, that's Jesus speaking. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged, not will be judged. Because we look forward to when Satan's locked into the abyss, but Satan has been judged already. Did you know that? He's the prince of this world, he's the ruler of this world, but God's in charge. He's not even close to equal with God. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He's looking to the future. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And, thing, and all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Y'all, this is a powerful stuff this morning, and I hope that you grasp it. I hope that you hear what the Spirit is saying to you personally if you're a believer today. And if you're not a Christian today, listen up what God has promised for those who love him and are called according to his word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. I thank you today that you give us the ability to... Lord, sing to you and, and, and invite you, even though we don't need to invite you to our lives because you're here. We understand that from Scripture. Father, we have the ability to just, Lord, have fellowship with you and, and to love you. And, and Lord, we in turn receive your love. Thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Amen and amen. Well, I want you to go to your notes. If you got a bulletin today, if you didn't receive one, you can slip your hand up. Maybe your neighbor has one. But I want you to take notes. And somebody asked me a couple weeks ago and said, why do we take notes? Why do, you have, why do you have notes on the back of the bulletin? The whole purpose is, I hate notes, just for the record. I hate preaching with the notes. Y'all notice I usually preach and then give you the fill in the blanks. Sorry about that. If you miss it, you can call in or get with one of us. We'll give you the answers. Or just walk up here after church and the fill in the blanks are here. But I usually don't look down and go through these unless I want to make sure you have this. That you can actually you take it to work this week. You can talk around the dinner table. Dads must be teaching their families. He must be the pastor of, their fa of the family and teaching them 
Thus saith the word of God. And I'm trying to give you a tool. My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Mothers must equip their families as well. Grandfathers and grandmothers must equip. Aunts and uncles must equip. And I'm trying to give you a tool to take this tool and give you a half-inch wrench. I'm not giving you a full tool set every Sunday. But I'm going to give you a half-inch wrench to go turn those half-inch bolts that you need to turn this week. And you can take this, the Word of God, and go and you can actually be the teacher. I think that's what God calls us to do. So look at your notes. The sermon is simply this. He is with us. That's not a grand, grandiose sermon. He is with us. With us. And I was going to uh, call it Salty Saints versus Salty Saints. Now, you say, well, why that? Why the, why the name? Well, Salty Saints, when I was in the Navy, if you were a salt, that means you were well-versed in everything Navy. You knew how to function the ship. You had a lot of experience. You could, if we went to war, you could do different jobs. You usually had medals or ribbons to show that you knew what you were doing. Now, I don't know about today's Navy, and everybody always told me when I was in the Old Navy. I, I don't even shop at Old Navy because I couldn't stand that word because all the old guys said, you wouldn't survive in the Old Navy. And I said, what is the Old Navy? Well, you wouldn't understand. So Old Navy, the store, I hate it. I'd drive by there, and I'd like, I don't even look. I'd put a hand up to drive past Old Navy soon. Never, ever give me a gift from Old Navy. I will not wear it. Um, I just don't like the word. But today, salty means that you're angry, you're bitter. Young people, have, the name has changed in our culture that you're upset continuously about something. So if you're a salty saint, what my understanding, my generation understands, you're actually somebody who is a mature saint. You're spiritually mature in the faith, and you're acting accordingly. Today, if we said salty saint, it actually means that you're upset, that you're always twisted, you're nasty about something, and those two words don't go together. Amen? How many of y'all understand salty as being a veteran or somebody who's well-versed? Raise your hand if that's a word for you. How many of y'all are salty means you're contrary to everything that's around you? Raise your hand. And so I'm in both. I've heard both. And I had to learn with teenagers and young 20s that salty is not a good thing anymore. Well, I'm not going to let the culture take salty away from me. How about that? The end. I'm a salty saint. Want to be. I'm growing up every day. Why don't you look at your notes here, and the first verse was very clear. Christ had divine care for his disciples. If you can't get that, that God sent Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, we sing it at Christmas, God with us, he had divine care for his disciples. He cared for them because he loved them. He cares for you. And you say, well, if God cared for me, he wouldn't allow and fill in the blank. Yes, he would. You can't redefine God just because of your emotions or your feelings. You're going to find out these disciples had tremendous sad emotions. Their, their, their feelings were, hey, you're leaving us. You're forsaking us. And he made a promise to them, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, physically, he's leaving, we know, and then he tells us why. He strengthened them with hope for the days they would be called to stumble. Have you guys ever made anyone stumble? I had two brothers and a sister and. and the best way to make someone stumble if you're on the stairs, I still catch myself wanting to do it, but I'm supposed to be the mature pastor, so I don't do it anymore. But when someone's walking up the steps, you just want to go in and slap their right foot when they walk, and it kicks over behind their left foot, and, and they fall down on the stairs. Has anyone ever done that besides me? Thank you, Mike. Two of us? Anybody else? Oh, yeah. Oh, here's the party over here. Right. It's just fun. Just, you just slap their hand, uh, slap their foot, and it just kicks themselves, and they fall. It's, don't do it, but it, kids don't do it, but it, I did. And so you can be caused to stumble, even if you're an athlete or if you're well-balanced. If you're young or old, you can be caused. And the Bible talks about stumbling blocks, putting things in the dark. We were at uh, Wendy's uh, sister's house, and we stay in the basement. There's a nice uh, place they got up there. Someone, I've been there many times, and someone slid the couch over. 
It's not my house. They can do what they want to. But someone set the couch over, and I'm used to walking in the dark, so I walk down, and I kick the, the wooden peg of the couch. Psalm 23 wasn't the first thing that came to my mind, but I did uh, get into the scripture because I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to, I'm going to take every thought captive. And my toe was throbbing. Well, it was so deep of a cut in my toe, no, I couldn't cut it off. You know how it is when it cracks? So I had to let it grow out to wait. And every time I put on socks, what did I do? I was made to stumble. And I was reminded every single day until that thing got better, I was made to stumble. That's not a good thing. But when you stumble, what can you do immediately? If you stumble and fall down the steps, if you stumble and fall out front, what happens? If it didn't break something, you get back up. You're, if someone makes you stumble, and that's what football's about, right? If someone makes you stumble, you get back up and do it again. You go through the process again, even though you might be stumbling again. So the Lord was looking forward saying, listen, you will be made to stumble. He's looking for the day that it's going to happen. Here it comes that you're going to be made to stumble. Well, Jesus spoke with clarity about the future persecution coming to each faithful follower of his. He said, listen, you're going to suffer persecution. So here's the real deal for us. You shouldn't be shocked when someone says something ugly about you. When someone says ugly words to you, someone says disgraceful words to you because you're a Christ follower. Jesus told his disciples 2,000 years ago it's going to happen. So don't be shocked. They're going to perjure you. They're going to mock you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to call you every name in the book. But here's the deal. Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, neither do I, but Jesus said so. And we're faithful followers of Christ, amen? So I want you to look at Philippians, if you would. Hold your spot there and go over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and of course, as Derek read this morning about what James even said, it, all these men who wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they wrote and said, listen, there's a blessing. And we go, does anybody respect the Apostle Paul? And go, boy, if I could model my life, I'd follow him. I'd follow those ways. I'd be like him. Well, the Apostle Paul started out, and we know that he persecuted the church. He was a murderer. He had people put to death. He was not a very good man. He was an intelligent man, but he was not a very good character of a man. Um, he was in his religion, he was, but not in his daily character for following Christ. Same thing with James. and you, Same thing with John, And as you go and read. But same thing here at Paul. Watch what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. We'll pick up in verse 2. And there was a church fight that happened, by the way. Do you all know in the Bible, God tells us everything? He doesn't keep the good stuff and just tells us the good stuff. Because he, Aren't you glad God's not a social media God? He puts all the pretty pictures on social media so everybody thinks everything's wonderful, right? Don't we do that? We put our best foot forward. We put all the pretty pictures. You never see people with their hair all jacked up on, on social media unless you're in the hospital and you can't stop some, one of your family members from taking a picture. I forbade that when I go to the hospital. Not that my hair would be messed up, but I don't want shots. So here's a fight that's happened in the church here in Philippi. Paul's writing an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he writes to these two ladies. Jump to verse 2. I implore Eudia, and I implore Syntyche, Syntyche, I can't even say this morning, to, to be the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel of Clement. Also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Watch what he tells us to do. Paul tells us after this, this there's some type of church strife that's happening here. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for 
nothing. So say it again. Be anxious for nothing. nothing, but everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are, of, are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And Paul continues on and on. And he tells, he's encouraging the church all the way through verse 23. Go back to your notes for a second. I want you to see this. The disciples in verse 5 and 6 of John 16, the disciples were real men with real emotions. Sorrow had overtaken, I should have put in there, but they had taken complete possession of their hearts. They were overwhelmed. Any of you there today? You're at the end of your rope. You're at wit's end. Your bridge is burnt. Anybody ever been there? Uh, it can just be life. Every day we live, we live and say, I can't take this another day. Anybody ever said that with those words? Anybody say it, don't say it if you said it today, right? It can be a relationship. It can be financially related. It can be, you name it, there's a list of things. These men had given up everything to follow Jesus. Everything. And now they're saying, Jesus is saying he's leaving, and they're like, where are you going? Remember, the promised Holy Spirit has not come yet. Jesus is still physically with them, and he's telling them of future things to happen. There is one coming, he makes a promise. The spirit of truth is coming. And things I have to teach you, I can't teach you right now because you're not spiritually mature and you're not fully filled with the Holy Spirit, right? The day of Pentecost is coming. Let's watch and see what, he, what Jesus says to them. Look at verse 7. Jesus gave his disciples this truth. The work of the Holy Spirit is an advantage to all or for all Christians. Go back and look at your verse and look what he says in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Do you think Jesus lies? Okay. Four of you don't think Jesus lies. Anybody else? Does Jesus ever lie? No. Say it louder. Does Jesus ever lie? No. Matter of fact, let's say the words. Jesus, Jesus. Never, never lies. That's the truth in your spirit. You should need to lock that down. So when you go to the Word of God, don't come to the Word of God with your emotions on fire, right, and try to change the Word. You can come to the Word of God with your emotions still on fire and say, Lord, speak to me. Spirit of the living God, right, fall fresh on me, we sang this morning. If you ask him, he will. All things will pray and ask him, will you help me? And so our emotions come to Scripture like this, and Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Imagine being emotionally distressed, and some of you have been this week or this month or this year or whatever it might be. Jesus said, I'm coming to help you. Now, he didn't say he's going to change your circumstances, right? Every decision that you make, we tell children, and we told our children growing up, we tell the children in the um, academy, we tell you today. Every choice you make has a consequence, good or bad. True? And it might not show out to the future. Hannah was showing me she cut her hand this week, so she has a scar. Uh, we, were, we were trading scar stories before church. So she's played the flute. I like to call her a fluter, even though she's a flautist. Uh, but she played with an injured hand. Anybody know she had an injured hand this morning besides her family? Did she do a wonderful job? I mean, all the instruments did, but uh, uh, instrumentalists and all the singers, everything was good. But I knew Hannah had a scar on her hand, and it was painful. I, I saw it. You should, it's a nice scar, by the way. Uh, she cut her hand this week but still persevering and playing the flute. And I think about us as making music into the Lord. Lord, I'm burdened. I'm, my relationships are broken. I've been fired, fill in the blank, whatever it might be. Bring your burdens where? Where do you take that burden? 
To the Lord. You go directly to Him. You say, well, I don't know how to pray. Start. Start by going to the Word of God. Say, Lord, Your Word is truth. You have said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Lord, I've got my ticket to heaven because I believe in you. But Lord, this is reality that I'm facing the stock market. Anybody been looking at your 401k or threes or lack of thereof? Nobody's getting excited about that. But you know what? Who's in charge of all that? Yeah, you think God's up in heaven going, oh my goodness, look what America's doing. He's not chewing his fingernails. Well, God the Father don't have any fingernails, but... He's not worried. What what is the big problem to God? Listen in your life. Look at your life. Don't look at me and don't look at everybody else. What is the big problem in your life? Is it big to God? Are there any big problems to God? Are there any small problems to God? So take everything to the Lord in prayer by faith. Amen? That's how we function as Christians because the world's coming after you and Jesus was clear with his disciples. He held nothing back. Look at verse 8 through 11. Watch this. The work of the Holy Spirit, I'll give you the notes first. The work of the Holy Spirit would bring conviction of sin and of righteousness and of judgment against unbelievers. He said, I'm speaking to the world. Well, if the world reads the scripture, which they don't really read it for the inspiration, right? They read it for the, the calming times, they want to read, everybody wants the pastor to say nice things about their past loved ones and when there's a funeral. Hey, pastor, say he was a saint of God. And I've only heard one pastor who could pull that off and he said, compared to the devil, this man was a saint of God. So that's the only time I've ever heard that story said. So I won't lie for you when you're laying in the box or in the canister, whatever you get put in. Amen? Yeah? Your life is your character. Everybody knows the truth. You ever been to funerals and the preacher's just lying? You know he's lying. I've been to some, I just, I've sat on this platform and listened to other preachers lie about people who are in the box. I was like, you didn't know the same, I need to go open that box and see if that's the same person that, that, that I know. Because that's a lie. Now family's like, Pastor, would you just say good things about my loved one? I got nothing to say if you live like the devil. If you run the roads hard and you live like the devil, I've got nothing good to say about you. I say your decision between you and the Lord, and then I preach Jesus at a funeral. Because I'll let families, they can come up and eulogize because they know them, but I won't lie for you. And listen, the Lord knows all things, amen? Your life, your character is what counts while you're living. It's got to be true. Not saying you're perfect, go to your family. If you want to find out dirt on anybody, where do you go? To the spouse, to the children, to the aunts, to the uncles. You go to the immediate people, they'll tell you all the bad stuff that's happened behind the scenes. That's not what the Lord's talking about. The Lord is very clear Listen, he's bringing about conviction of sin. Well, how does he bring about conviction? If I never read the word of God, how can I have conviction of sin? How do I know that I cannot live in adultery? How do I know I can't live these alternative lifestyles? How do I know? Well, God's mouthpiece is sitting right here this morning. Now, we've done this before, and we will do it again and again and again. If I start throwing out, say, give me a topic. Is there a scripture that God has spoken on every sin in, in the world? What happens when we call out sin? Because remember the world, Jesus sets them up. I'm not going to leave you, but I am going. I'm going to send the comforter, the spirit of truth. And when he comes, he's going to convict the world of, he starts with sin. Well, who convicts the world of sin? How did you become a Christian? How did you know that you were a sinner in need of a savior? You come by the way of preaching of the word of God or the reading of the word of God, right? Conviction falls on your heart. The Lord says, today's the day. You go give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And you're like, man, I don't know all these people. I was in Virginia. I didn't know anybody on Battlefield Boulevard, Emmanuel Baptist Church. 
I first went there when I was resisting Christ. I went there, and, and the Bible says you, uh, many people say you can't resist Christ. I'm telling you, I did. I got up in the middle of service and said, there's too many old people in this church. I'm leaving. And I was 20-something, hard head, and uh, smelled like Ben Gay in the church. Now, now I appreciate that as I'm getting older. But um, I, I got home when he's like, why didn't you uh, stay at church? I'm like, too many old people. There are old people everywhere. So here's what the preacher did. Today I was preaching through whatever series he was preaching through. He said, but God changed my message. Somebody in here needs to hear it. I'm preaching on hell today. Some of you, one of you is going to hell today, and i got to tell you how to be rescued. I get up in the middle of his sermon and walk out. Go home. Wendy's like, I thought you made a deal with God. Now, Wendy was an unbeliever as well at the time. And I said, I did. I'll go next week. I'll go next week. If I'm in port, we'll go next week. So next week I went to a nice church, bigger church so I could hide like many of y'all do. Y'all just come to church to hide. You don't really want to do anything. You just want to sing a song, hear a sermon, and go home. Uh, I was that guy too, but I was lost. So I sat in about middle way so I could just fit into the crowd. And this really soft-spoken pastor says, today, I've got a, God's changed my message. Somebody needs to hear this. One of you is going to hell. <laughs> like, what's the chance? Are y'all been calling each other? And, he's, and I got up and went home and went just like, uh, what are you doing home? Is church over already? I was like, no. Oh, a bunch of rich people down there at the church. Uh, you know, they think there's somebody special. I, I'm fighting and running as fast as I can from God, using any excuse I can pull out of my pocket. Pocket lint, I'm throwing anything I can at, at the excuses. And Wendy said, you made a deal with God. Because God saved my life. Longer story when I fell off the ship at nighttime in stormy seas in the Caribbean. Long story. He, he, he called me, and, and he basically, I made a deal with him. God, if you save me, and I didn't know God didn't make deals back then. If you save me, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I went back to that church on Battlefield Boulevard, and the pastor was preaching. And he preached about the love of Jesus, and he preached about the names in Isaiah 9, 6, that he shall be called. And he went through Prince of Peace, and Wonderful Counselor, and Mighty God, and Everlasting Father. And he said, do you need peace today in your life that passes all understanding, no matter where you live? And I was fighting it. And I, that was the day I went forward. And I said, preacher, I want what you have, what you're asking, what you're telling me. He said, I'm telling you about Jesus. I've heard that my whole life. And he goes, well, you can walk away and reject him and go to hell, or you can receive him today. <laughs> and I received Christ. I knew that I knew that I knew that day that I received Christ was followed, followed through a believer's baptism. It didn't save me, but it was evidence of what happened in my heart and life. He's hasn't changed me since. So when Jesus is telling his disciples that the Lord's going to bring about through his people the conviction of sin, through the preaching of the word, the world's going to be very offended like me. They'll make every excuse and call you every name in the book because they don't want what you're selling. Amen? Even though you're not selling anything. They don't want what you're giving because the, they want to resist the Holy Spirit because we love our sinful self and we love our sinful world. Isn't that true? It's hard to say amen to that because some of you got hangups, don't you, that you just can't get over. You're dealing with stuff, and you're like, I know what the Word says, but. And when you put a but in there, listen, you change the understanding and the faithfulness of being obedient to the Lord, and I'm going to show you, you must be obedient. Let's continue. Right versus wrong is what he's talking about. He's going to bring about conviction of sin. So watch this. If a judge sets up and someone does something righteous, the next thing is righteousness on our list. So if a judge looks up and he hears two parties argue, okay, or she hears two parties argue, they listen, he listens, takes all the evidence in, and what does he make a call? Guilty or not guilty? If you're righteous, the judge is going to say, you're in the right. You go free. If you're guilty of sin, what is he going to say? I'm going to punish you. That's what it used to be. Now you get a nice place to stay with three meals a day, right? I'm going to punish you for wrongdoing. So you either made right, you're right, go your way, 
or you're made wrong because of your sin choices, I'm going to punish you. That's what a good judge does. A holy judge does even greater. He calls out the things that are sinful. He says, this is wrong. And then he celebrates the things that are righteous. Well, guess who, in this case, the judge is the Holy Spirit for sure. But guess who's the mouthpiece for the judge? You're the bailiff. You're the, you're the jury. And where do you get your testimony from? Tell me what your sin is. Let me go ahead. What, give me a sin. Let me go ahead. Let's, let's just call a sin for a friend, right? And we go in and we look at a sin. And you can pick any sin. Lying. Does the Bible speak on lying? Yes or no? Obedience to God. Does the Bible speak of that? Adultery. Fornication. Homosexuality. Cheating. Stealing. Honoring your father and your mother. Obeying your parents. The Lord speaks on every single sin there is in this world. You can't can't outrun it because it's Adam and Eve. We're still doing sinful things. So the Lord, the Holy Spirit, brings about conviction of sin. He rewards righteousness. And then he brings about judgment. And here we are today in the 21st century because everybody who is living in sin says, you Christians think y'all know everything. The Bible says, it's the only verse they know to take out of context. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. So don't judge me. The Bible actually says, judge not lest you be judged by the same measure by which you judge. If you're living a holy and righteous life, if you're not doing that sin or other sins that are so flagrant in their face, then you have the right to actually speak on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we to judge? Yes. Have you been taught? How many of us said you've ever heard from the pulpit or some other person? Don't judge. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. What does the Lord say? And you go back to chapter 7 if you want to read it. Judge not, lest you be judged by the same measure by which you judge. Jesus even went and said he compared it to having a two-by-four sticking out of your eyeball. That you would walk around like this and say, oh, y'all are all bad sinners. And, and he said, first, remove the plank from your own eye so that you may see the speck in your brother's eyes. You understand? So if something's wrong in your life as my family, as my friend, it's my job to call it out. It's your job to call out in my life. And what we continue to do is like, how many of y'all have ever had sawdust or sand in your eyes? You ever had somebody, oh, oh, when you were kids especially, you pull your eye down like this, and you're like, it's right there. And like, where? You ever had somebody take a nice tissue or something, just touch it and pull it out, or rinse it and rinse it out, or pull your eyelash down and rinse it out? Someone that knows better, someone who has been there and had stuff pulled out of their eyes tell you how to get stuff out of your eyes, how to rinse it out? There's nothing more pleasing than that relaxing feeling of, it's out. still burns, but it's out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? This is what the Lord's talking about. So when you speak judgments of God, now if you go back and just critical all the time, you're you're negative Nancy all the time, that's not what he's talking about. Sorry, Nancy, whoever that is. He's saying, listen, say what he says about sin. Say what he says about righteousness. And when it's time to judge, be righteous in your righteousness. Listen, that he actually, the Holy Spirit would speak through you. We're the mouthpieces, if you will, of God. Verse 12, Jesus told his disciples of their spiritual immaturity. I should have said spiritual immaturity. He committed the spirit of truth to them so they might have a fuller and more complete revelation of himself. But guess what they had to wait for? They had to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They didn't get it right then and there. They had to wait. How many of y'all hate waiting? If it's for dinner, if it's for service, if it's whatever it is, waiting in line, it's Sam's for gas. We hate to wait, even though it's just a few minutes. We want it now and yesterday, right? Some of y'all are actually have everything shipped to your house, 
right? During this wedding, we've had more stuff shipped to the house. Wendy's, I'm like, how many packages can you and Mackenzie, I think, and Bernadette send to my doorstep? So we're going to get robbed because y'all just keep sending everything here. It's not like my porch pirate heaven around our front porch for the last couple of months. Um, but we'd laugh about that because we get it immediately. We have prime shipping. We have whatever it is. We want it yesterday, right? And dare, dare them to let us pay for next day shipping and wait two days. Oh, we, 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 we kind of lose our cannons, don't we? Well, they had to wait for the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, listen, you're not spiritually mature.